Welcome to the BNP Rome Podcast, Season 2. Once again, this is your host, Brian, and as always, thanks for joining me. Welcome to episode 31.21, a bonus episode B and P R4, Biking and Putting Nonsense into Your Ears. Hello everyone, and I should say it, Happy New Year. We made it. 2022 has begun. So normally I do script out these intros, but because this is a bonus episode and I want to spend as little time as possible on it, I am just going to yak at you and tell you what to expect from this episode. Well, to be honest, I don't quite remember everything I said. I do know I talked about uh, the coronavirus era and making the most of it, and I used the example of the rock band Fish and what they have done with their time during coronavirus era. Um, I know I talked about my stuffed animals and some of my stuffed animal stories and talked about doing voices and improvising uh, stories and using the world that we're going through in order to improvise. Uh, I know I talked about literature a little bit. I talked about the writing process and um, the difference between storytelling and writing beautifully or um, I kind of spoke about literary fiction versus genre fiction and I talked about uh, my love for Stephen King and kind of my own uh, history as a storyteller Uh, and then I talked near the end of the episode about my love for the author David Mitchell. And there's a whole lot of other stuff in between that, like I said, I forgot about. Uh, I recorded this while I was out on a bike ride today, um, going north on the bike path. So one of the reasons I'm putting it out as a bonus is there is some wind. And, uh, well, there's nothing that can be done about it. I mean, I could probably go and try to edit some stuff. I, you know, I do a thing where I reduce the noise and I could probably work out a little harder. But it's a bonus episode, so... um, But I listen back and I think it sounds good enough and uh, I think what I talk about is interesting enough that I'm going to release it. And um, probably, well, I won't make any promises about what I'm going to do with the podcast here. Uh, I'd like to put out maybe another episode in the next week or so. Um, I still have, still kind of, uh, my vacation is kind of winding down, but I don't really go back full time until um, next week. So I have one more week of kind of chilling out but I do have one of my jobs starting up again on Friday and then my full schedule starts the week after that. So, <clears throat> but I have some time and I've been lately feeling productive. I've written a lot of blog posts, so maybe I'll put those in the show notes. Um, check those out. And other than that, again, happy new year. And I, uh, yeah, if you don't want to listen to this, <laughs> feel free. I kind of make a joke about that throughout that uh, at any time you want to cut out, you can. Um, it's a bonus episode, folks. So, on that note, thanks again for joining me, and enjoy the show. I'm biking north, and uh, I ain't stopping ever, bike forever, until I pass the North Pole, keep on going through Siberia, wait a minute, (laughs) Canada, Guess if I went up there, yeah, that's the other side of the world, Canada, through the Americas, South Pole, 
for Australia. Back to Japan. I'm almost on, but yes, I'll stop after that. There's a cute little dog there. Anyway, it is January 2nd. Beautiful, sunny, and not windy today. So, taking advantage with a longer bike ride. If I sound slightly out of breath, there are two reasons. One, as I said already, I'm biking still. And the second reason is I just finished my wind sprint exercise, which is 20 seconds sprint, 10 seconds chill out, 20 seconds sprint, 10 seconds chill out, and you do eight of those 20 and 10 sets. And the last one, often I'll push myself a little longer, I'll find a little landmark. Usually no more than 40. Today's was 25. Uh, but I learned from this course I took last year, the Lifebook course, that this has been proven by science to be a very efficient way to get your body exercise. And it is super efficient. It takes all five minutes. Because I put on, so I'm listening to uh, the band Fish, four guys from Vermont, uh, New Year's Eve, because of the craziness with the people getting sick in the U.S. They postponed their Madison Square Garden run, but on New Year's Eve they still did a live live stream of just the four of them playing. And in between songs, they're talking, reading people's messages, and responding and bantering. And I want to talk about that real quick. Uh, you know, yeah, the pandemic situation and the, I would say the pandemic, that includes the reaction to the pandemic, what I think of as generously a botched reaction, or I think on the nose, on the mark, a nefariously attempted uh, reaction to increase control by the powers that be. Um, but regardless of whichever frame I put on it, that also, I include that when I say the pandemic, um, the actual illness, whatever it is, and the reaction to it. Um, and yeah, it's been challenging, and we've lost things such as live concerts. Um, but, so, Trey Anastasio, the band leader of Fish, uh, put out a series in October and November uh, with his own, he has his own band, uh, not Fish, but like the Trey Anastasio band, of course, <laughs> name it after yourself. Uh, <laughs> But um, they did like a series of 12 shows or something. And that was the format they did that. They played no audience in person, but people watching in from home. And then they would, in between songs, 
band to read each other, and Trey would, and others in the band, but mostly Trey would read comments going by, and they would banter about it. And sometimes you'd come up with little imprompt, improvisational songs, like they just did right now. Um, I'm only two songs in to this New Year's show. I didn't even know they were doing it. Um, I'm not going up a little bit of a hill here. I uh, I keep up on the fish stuff, but I'm not like so tuned in that I know what they're doing every moment. I don't follow fish Twitter that closely, which is the best place to get that kind of info. Um, so I didn't know. And meanwhile, I had purchased a live stream for the Disco Biscuits. Theirs, though, was they, the show went on with them at the Fillmore in Philadelphia, and they had some really stringent entrance testing and stuff. I heard from some people it took like two or three hours to go to the line and get in. But regardless, they did the show and they also live streamed it. And I was listening to a concert they just did on December 6th, somewhere in the Caribbean, some kind of vacation, jam band vacation thing that started up within the last decade as the jam band community has become older and richer. <laughs> Doesn't include me, well the older part does, but uh, not yet the richer part. Um, anyway, the Biscuits played a show on December 6th and I was listening to the first set on what was my New Year's Eve, and it was so good that, hold on a sec here, I probably should walk off to the side of the lady. The woman's walking with her two-year-old, and they're walking right down the middle of the bike path, which is just, you know, it's a bike path. Pick a side, pick a side. I, have, I actually have a song, my own improvisational song, pick a side. Either left or right, pick a side. Um, anyway, I won't go into that, I don't even remember it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's scary because when you're biking by someone and they're in the middle and they hear you coming, if they choose the wrong, like if they try to move instead of just staying where they are and they choose wrong, they can get, you can, you're fucked. Uh, it's hard to get around. So pick a side. Much smarter. You're on a bike road. It's uh, my public service announcement for this podcast. I'm going to stop here in the sun and have a drink. It is really nice today. Like I've said before on my podcast, I don't know if this is going on the podcast because the wind will probably make me not put it out, but if it is, well, you're listening to it, so. Like I said before, I do talk about the weather here in Japan, or no matter where I'm at, I'm always interested in what the weather is like where people are at. Um, could be a Capricorn thing, I don't know, but uh, being earthy and all. Um, but our winters here, like sun, cool temperatures, like highs in the 40s, maybe in the 50s, around, you know, usually in the 40s, sometimes over 50. Um, and wind. Like that's our three, those are the three characteristics of the general, like 80%, probably 85% of our winter days where I live. This is actually the second sunniest place in all of Japan. Um, but the wind is also a very constant feature here a regular feature, so probably five days a week in the winter 
it's windy, but today is one of those two days when it's not. So I'm out and about. And uh, yeah, it's really, I mean, this is, this is good biking weather right here because you're not going to get wet. Uh, if you, if you're bundled up enough, like I've got three layers on and I could take off my hoodie, but I'm going slow now, so I'm not going to, but I'm sweating underneath from that, all the, the sprints I did. Um, but I'm cozy, you know, and it feels great. The sun on me and the fresh air. And I even smell here in Japan because we're further, further enough south. Uh, don't worry, I'm getting back to the fish point, folks. Um, we're about the same latitude here as uh, Santa Barbara or San Luis Obispo in California, which is halfway between LA and San Francisco. And because we're further enough south, there are things that grow here in the winter. So it was great. Right as I got to the end of the uh, sprints, I'm going down a hill now, you might hear the wind picking up. Um, there was some flower and like, I, you know, I'm taking a big, big breath because I'm at the end of my sprint and yeah, it just smelled great. I'm like, wow, that was awesome, you know? And I've, you know, I've been smelling since then, and that just happened to be that location. You know, I'm smelling, uh, here I smell it again. I don't know what it is, but yeah. Anyway, some nice smells out, because there are some things, some flowers, but mostly it's, you know, wintry looking. Not a lot growing, kind of brownish. Uh, okay, so now I was gonna, yeah, if you could finish that comment on the fisherinos. So, and Corona, so, Trey and his people decided they wanted to play live music for people, and so they did. And yeah, granted, people couldn't go or didn't go, but they did these live streams, and it actually opened up a new aspect of their playing, which is you know, they're standing and watching people's comments and they're able to respond to them, you know, pick out the best comments. In a crowd, that's not so easy because, you know, people are yelling stuff here and there, and you know, you'll have bands that pick up on something someone says, but uh, it's a little different. Um, and so I'm actually really excited to listen to this fish show because the four of them, that's such a deep friendship, and they all like to banter with each other. And so, when Trey was in his live band, a few of the other people commented, but not that much. It was like 90% Trey. And I imagine it'll still be heavy, heavy on the Trey, because that's just his personality. Fellow ENFP like me. To speak Japanese to the old people, they don't need to learn English. <laughs> speak English to the kids. <laughs> Just kidding. Kidding on the camera. Uh, there's a cat passing by me. Quite a ways off. Good job, cat. That was nice and safe. We're chilled out. The other day I saw this cat across near me, and he was sitting in the bushes and he was doing that hunched shoulder thing where cats are looking at you like, Are you gonna fuck with me? That <laughs> just cracked me up. And it made me think how we humans do that too, you know, when you're like paranoid or even when you're doing something wrong, you know, you kind of hunch up your shoulders, you kind of look like uh, Igor or Scrooge or something. 
anyway, uh, where was I? So yeah, Trey took advantage of this. And now there's this new format, so when I listen to this show, it's like a new aspect of listening to fish. And so I'm even more excited to hear this than if it had just been their New Year's Eve show. Now I say that, but at the same time, I was thinking, you know, they're a band of any band out there. But I think this is true of most of you know, the champion types, the improvisational types. But I mean, Fish's ethos is like, it's not about us, it's about the community, you know? And so they feed off the energy of the crowd. And so I'm sure there will be some good jam in the first two songs I've heard sounded great and everything, but you know, I can imagine if there's a better show in front of people, it would be more energetic. Having said that, I notice. Like right now, I was deciding, I'm like, do I do recording? I, I kind of want to record as I bike north here, because I find when I do these recordings, um, it makes the time, the exercise go easier. <laughs> uh, but I also just wanted to talk, because I haven't really chatted with people today, at least out loud. Um, but I noticed, so I was asking myself, I'm like, okay, the next song, I'm done with my spritz. And they played two kind of spoken openers, Mama Dance and Tube. So that's when I was like, all right, I'll do my sprint. And then when Tube ended and I was done with my sprint, like with about a minute and a half left, and I said, you know, if they keep playing kind of fiery, upbeat songs, they won't do my yakking. But if they do like a, a cool down, then I'll cool down with it. And then when they get to the next fire, I'll start the yakking. But they went into... Uh, song called 46 days and it's interesting this is the point i'm getting to here's another thing that these shows can bring out these shows where they're not playing an audience they can play with silence and quiet a lot more and the way he opened that song which normally is just this really bombastic rock song was he played it really melodically and quiet and I thought, well, that's cool. And so again, this is where the situation on the ground, the, you know, people all getting sick, forces them to cancel their normal plan, but they improvise. They're an improvisational rock band after all. And they come up with something that is different, of course, and in that difference, we actually get something new and kind of cool, and, you know. And as a any bad fan of this band will tell you, one of the reasons a lot of us listen to every show is because there's no show, two shows that are the same. Having said that, I can tell you as someone who since, I don't know, 2013 or so, I've, uh, maybe even earlier, like Fish Reunited in 2009. I feel like I've been doing this pretty much since they reunited. Um, I've kind of made it a habit to listen to every note of every show. And I can tell you that even though the jams in each show are different or this and that, you know, there can be you know, times where it's like, well, that was a show. I enjoyed it. I, I pretty much like all their songs and their covers and stuff, so... Not gonna say I didn't enjoy it, but there are times where I'm like, well, I don't, don't think I'll remember that particular show. You know, maybe there'll be one jam or something. 
that. So this new format makes it unique and it makes me excited to listen to the rest of it. Bird, don't get my way. There are these cute little birds here and I call them dinachucks. <laughs> yes, I'm transitioning here, folks. See, I, this is how I roll, man. Um, and actually, oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> Trying to some kids around a bend. Guy coming up behind me. Almost had an accident. Not really, it wasn't that bad. Going slow. But, um, okay, so when I was a teenager, or like 14, so my parents took us on a cross country road trip by car. And I came up with this thing I would do sometimes, which would be based on what we saw inside the window, I would tell these stories and then just keep rolling and make up these stories. Uh, and I would use one of my stuffed animals, a shisha piece, who my uh, stuffed animal now, maybe daddy, has kind of taken Cecil's voice. And let me let me tell that story real quick. Don't worry, I'll get back to the Didichucks. Making a middle note. I've gotten good at this too because of my podcast. And I've gotten good at these like where I do these asides and then another aside doing the side and then I'll get back. And that's that's the uh, fish does that too, folks. Speaking of fish, uh, improvisational um, rambling bike ride. This is a rambler by the river. I am next to the Tony River, so it counts. I don't, again, I don't know if I'll release this. I don't need to keep saying that. I'm about to come up to the biggest hill on the bike path. Anyway, so made a daddy. Uh, so Cecil the Beast, when I, you know, I got this creature, this stuffed animal, when I was in sixth grade. And yes, it's very late for someone to get stuffed animals, but I've never stopped getting stuffed animals. <laughs> That's one of my idiosyncrasies. Um, I, I like having characters around. If you listen to the podcast, you know that I do voices and stuff. And so my stuffed animals get characters. Well, when Cecil came, here, when, this is his voice, everybody. <laughs> you might want to turn down your volume. Here we go. Hi, my name is Cecil the Beast. I'm really happy I'm with Ryan right now. All right, so that's how he talked. And, uh, well, Cecil would be telling these stories in the car, you know. Like, one of the most infamous ones is uh, there was a sign that said something about Christ dying for your sins. And Cecil was like, and then this guy named Christ died for my sins. There's a lot more to it, but anyway, sometimes the stories wouldn't be finished when we would get to a restaurant to eat, and Cecil would need to continue, but you know, doing that voice in public, even right now, I'm like, just making sure there's nobody around, although I don't care that much anymore, especially being in Japan, nobody speaks the language here, a bunch of mutes, deaf, blind mutes. Deaf, dumb, and blind. <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now I'm going up that hill. And it's funny because I remember the first time I came on this ride, I thought this hill was so intense. And now <laughs> it's not, it doesn't even feel like a hill sometimes. Um, it's not all that steep. Anyway, I'm just now about to get to the top of it. Um, so Cecil had to change his voice. So getting get in the, uh, in the, uh, making sure I'm recording here. I recorded a thing for my friend the other day. I realized I didn't press the button. Not that it would be a huge loss if 
this doesn't go out to the world, uh, <laughs> but I'm having fun. Um, and hopefully it's listenable with the, with the wind. That'll be the determiner. So Cecil would go in the restaurant and, you know, he would start talking like this. So then what happened was after Christ died for my sins, then I had to find, like, why would he do that? You know, I had to investigate. And so his voice changed to that. And, uh, well, now my stuffed animal made a daddy who, uh, birthday, or he came to our house May 22nd, May 22nd, 2007. It's crazy that I remember that. Um, but something just came up in, like, the astrology of this year that, oh, I know, it's my Chiron return is happening that day. One of my Chiron return days is today's, uh, Fifteenth year with us. So, wow. Um, anyway, so Cecil always kind of goes, you know, you know, Cecil to be sure. It's a Cecil, you know, Cecil. My maiden daddy's more like, uh, my name is Ray What are you guys doing? You know, so, I mean, he doesn't really say you know. I just mix that up. But basically, it's kind of the same voice. And uh, on one of our trips back to America, we brought maiden daddy with us, and he had to kind of apologize to Cecil for stealing his voice. And they had a nice chat, so they're all they're all good with each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I could tell many stories about my stuffed animals. <laughs> um, although there are some, like we have these Meidu, you know, these they're called Meidu, which is Mel, M-E-L, but in Japanese they say Meidu. Um, we bought like a ton of these when they came out, like six of the big ones, a couple of the small ones, and the pillows can't find them anymore well we can but they're not they're not as they're not the same anyway we have one i was talking to it last night made a green made a green has no voice no character nothing and i was talking to made a green made a green was refusing to speak back so made a green is a <laughs> see i do i get back to that joke no i didn't all right now uh did the birds see they're these little black and white birds that I've noticed here in the winter. I don't think I've ever noticed them before. Um, hold on a sec. I'm going to stop here and take a picture. I'll finish the story as I take a drink. Um, but these little Didichucks, my dog, Jelly, she's cute and black and white. And these birds remind me of Jelly. And Jelly has a few names. All, well, Jelly is her name that our family gave her. Because our last, my wife's family, they had these same shih tzu, shih tzu, shih tzu, I don't, I never know how to pronounce it in English or Japanese for that matter. Um, same breed. Um, and they'd had a couple of these dogs and our last one was called Pudding, Pudding. And so I guess Jelly and Pudding go together. You guys tell me if they go together. In, Jap in Japan they do. I never knew that. But anyway, so they named this dog Jelly. Which, you know, it's like Jetty, Jetty, so it's Jetty, so it sounds like Jerry, so I called her Jerry Garcia, I've called her all sorts of things, but I was listening to a uh, audiobook of Stephen King, one of the Dark Tower series, I think it was book two, and I really hated the narrator of that book, um, but my favorite part, and this is one of my all-time favorite audio parts ever, was uh, there were these things called Crabosities, which were these monstrous crabs that came out of this ocean on this alien land and the very first time they came out they would make these weird sounds 
And I swear the guy said, um, Data Chuck? <laughs> Data Duke? And I think it was just Data Chuck, but I, you know, so that became one. Of, and then I also added Doingy Doing. So Data Chuck, Data Duke, Doingy Doing are all three nicknames for Jerry, Jelly. <laughs> and uh, these, you know, birds, Chuck, Woodchucks, Chuck, Chick. So these birds are now Data Chucks. So that's that. I'm going to stop right now. I think I had something else I wanted to talk about, but I'm going to pause for a bit. This has been 25 minutes already, and probably can't hear it that well. So, uh, But I'll pause this, and I might keep talking. Or I'm going to listen to some more fish. We'll see. Okay, so I've listened back. and uh, Yeah, there's some wind, but I can release it as a bonus episode. Why not? Sounds good. And I've been entertained by what I've been saying. And, you know, as a bonus episode, it's kind of like I'm putting it out not as a professional, but just because, you know, you want to learn a little bit more about me. Here's what you can do. Listen to a bonus episode, but you might have to suffer through some wind. Um, But it didn't really sound like I listened to about, I don't know, three minutes in different parts. I heard some wind, but it didn't sound that bad, especially if I go slow. Uh, there are times going down the hill where I can't. And I noticed that one time I listened, it was kind of going down a hill, it must have been, because that was a little louder, but overall I think it's fine. And you could still hear me. So, and you know, here's the, here's something that kind of a nice development I've had in my life. Uh, this is, goes back to the lessons from Corona. And, you know, I think you, when we go through these challenging times, it really is true that the opportunities for growth, like faster growth, um, well, there are opportunities for faster growth. I, I really, I strongly believe that because when I think about who I was two years ago, the start of 2020, um, it's a big difference. And, like, one thing back then is I used to be more worried about pleasing people and like feeling bad of, oh I'm sorry this was so noisy or whatever and it's almost kind of a not allowing them their sovereignty and their choice uh, you know and I would get mad at them I'd be like well you know like don't complain to me like I did my best you know kind of that and it's like now I'm just like all right I'll put it out and if it's too noisy for you then that's on you you can turn it off um, and I will say, I, I, I've had this attitude for a while, but I just remember that in, in like the first three months of my podcast, having times where I felt frustrated with people who were listening because I was thinking like, you know, I'm doing this and I don't know, like maybe they won't like it and, you know, maybe they're going to complain about the noise or whatever doing my best here and now I'm just now I'm more like you know I put it out I put my effort into it and it's up you have the choice to turn it on there's millions of things to listen to and I always say thank you for listening because I mean that you know people are wanting to listen to my podcast and listen to me I appreciate that like obviously they're getting some value out of it and I'm glad that I can provide them value and um, but on the other hand if they listen 
and they're like, well, he's yakking about nothing, and there's wind, and I can hear some weird noise from his bike, and he's talking about stuffed animal voices, and all this shit, that's stupid. Well, then, cool. My podcast isn't for you, or that episode isn't for you. Carry on, you know? And so I feel this is actually um, a healthy thing, the healthy move that we're making collectively, and uh, using the astrology, kind of the Aquarian archetype, which is so widely misunderstood in our culture. I mean, look, I'm no expert on astrology. I'm really a lifelong student, and I think I'm committing to that. I just paid for, and I'm super excited about this, uh, the first YouTube astrologer, or like weekly guy who does a weekly energies report, the Pele report, Kai Pacha. The first, he was the first one that I, my life coach sent me a video of his in like August of 2019. And I've always loved his reports. I love the knowledge he brings, but I also love his kind of, he's got this goofy laugh, but then he gets really serious. Um, I relate a lot to kind of how he is. I feel like my podcast, I do that too, you know? Um, like I can tell he finds <laughs> this whole thing we're involved in both paradoxically absurd and also super serious and cool, you know? Uh, anyway, so I just signed up, maybe 22 bucks a month, but his, um, there's so, he has so much on his website, so much value, and yeah, I'm just super excited, because I'm still thinking, like, I don't know what I'm going to keep, what I'm going to be doing for work, for people, you know, for people to pay me to survive, you know, I don't, I have this intuition, and it's the same intuition I had in 2015, where it was like, 2020, that's the year... I'm going to quit this job. And it's weird. I'd actually forgotten I had that intuition until like four months into having quit the job. And then I was like, oh, I remember telling people in 2015. So because I've been telling people all through 2020, this first part of 2020, well, I had this intuition last fall and stuff. And I did. But I'd forgotten that it had been the seed was planted. So now I have this sense of... Like, I'm doing these jobs, these kind of freelance teaching English. But I said that I've said the year 2023, that might be too fast. Maybe it's 2025. Um, but it's not going to be, like, especially teaching kids. I know that for sure. Like, that's not going to be something I do too far into my 50s. I'll be 50 next year almost a year from today, um, and it's not that I don't love teaching kids, I love, I do, but it takes a certain energy and a certain patience, and I've kind of come to realize that as you get older, um, well, you lose that natural energy for one, but you just, I, maybe, and maybe it's just me, but I actually think this is kind of the human, like, the Indian... Native American, sorry. 
even that's not the right term, but whatever, the indigenous peoples of the Americas, even that's not the right, the indigenous people of Turtle Island, because I've heard many of the cultures called the U.S. area Turtle Island, anyway, hard to find labels, folks, that are accurate, um, but I read a long time ago, and I know I've talked about this in the podcast, but it's something I just find fascinating. And I've had this confirmed by someone who did some deep study with the Native Americans. And I think I learned this from Joseph Campbell. I mean, you know, it's a pretty reliable source on this stuff. I'm sure he got some stuff wrong, but... Which was that with the Native American medicine wheel, like, they use that for all sorts of different aspects that are cycles. And one of those is the human life cycle. And so... Thing I really remember from it is that like the uh, I'm going to point out a, a bug, uh, idiosyncrasy I have that I don't like and then I try not to do I think I've gotten better at it but I'll use that term like uh, first time I was on a podcast well not first time second time I was on a Game of Thrones podcast and I noticed afterwards how many times I said like and I was like Sounds dumb. Anyway, it's more of a way of kind of going like, ah, you know, it's like a pause thing that you're doing. You're trying to think of what you're going to say. You're trying to work those out. So anyway, the Native Americans, the elder, elders, people, I think they split the wheel up into like fours and eights. But kind of, you know, grandparents were supposed to be someone connected to... Little kids so much, but like teenagers. And the idea there was that the elders would provide these young people who were entering into you know young adults. They would provide them wisdom, guidance, and the young adults would provide the elders, the grandparents their youthful vigor and energy and their physical strength, you know, like it's not so easy for grandpa to pull that um, to paint that side of that house can you do it for me, son? And, and, you know, grandson would do it and then in exchange grandparent would help provide wisdom and guidance and that's a healthy culture but I bring this all up because and then I think, and I don't know, I'd have to look at their medicine wheel, but just looking at how our lives are, I think when you're in your 30s and 40s, that's when you're connected to smaller kids because that's when people have children, you know? And it could even start in their 20s, but I think in our modern culture, you know, maybe mid-20s to mid-40s, right? But you start, I'm 40, like I said, I'm in 49 in two days, and I started teaching small kids again this fall, and I, you know, after not having done it since spring of, or well, winter of 2020, February 2020 was my last time, uh, besides the online students. Um, and, uh, oh, wow, I just went past <laughs> the turnoff, or did I? Maybe I did. Yeah, I did. That's all right. I'm going to go up and put my feet in the, in the pool, uh, and then I'll go back. I'm going for sushi, folks. If it's open, I think it's open, but we'll find out. And i got to go shopping if it's open. But, uh, going by these cute little ponies. Oh, that's so cute. Like, horses, like, licking the pony. The pony 
I'm so happy. Uh, anyway, I just noticed that my energy is different than it was. And I, and I started to notice this in 2018, 2019, like when I was teaching the elementary school classes. I just started to notice myself having less patience and energy for the antics of small kids, especially, you know, like first grade, second grade. Um, like now I'm teaching at this school in like one of my classes and I have it twice a week. It's four girls that are in first grade. So they're all like six and seven. And they're really cute, but it's really challenging. And I'm just kind of like, man, I don't really want to teach this age that much longer, you know? And I think that's just natural. So, getting back to how I got on this, um, I do see myself as very possibly, very even likely. Like, I would love to be able to use astrology to help others in their lives. I'd also love to use it to interpret current events. I mean, and so that's kind of what I'm, you know, on my podcast, even going back to season one, I would throw in some of the stuff I was learning about astrology. Um, and it's just such a, like, they say it's the oldest science, but it's also an art. Like, I think the reason, there are many reasons, I always catch myself when I do that. And I catch people when they do that. When they say, the reason for, I'm like, is only one reason? Um, anyway, one of the main reasons I think I've become so attracted to astrology is I do feel it's part of this archaic revival that Terence McKenna spoke about and that many have spoken about, but where we are combining science and religion, science and art, we're going back to our roots and discovering things that maybe on our way out, as our culture has kind of moved out, the rationalism and, you know, been on this outward bound journey, we've left some things behind. And that's also part of integral theory, you know? So, and I mean, and, you know, and then the next thing, of course, that I've talked about this a lot, this is kind of one of the main focuses of my series that I'm doing right now on each of the signs is how astrology is connected to the seasons. She has a really nice jacket. It was like a sweater and all. I'm terrible at describing clothes because, uh, you know, as a writer, it's interesting. I, I'm, and I'm not all that great at describing, like, I'm not all that great at describing the uh, external world is what it is. And I say that, and I'm, uh, you know, anybody who practices an art, and I think anybody who has, like, a natural skill for it, which I know, you know, I've been told that since I could start writing <laughs> Oh, you're a naturally skilled writer. And it's true. I mean, it's just, I know it's true. Last night I was doing some cleaning right now in the winter here, my bookshelves, and I found this story I wrote, I guess when I was like, must have been 10 or 11. Um, it must have been after the second Indiana Jones movie came out, because it's clearly like my character, Tyler Miller, is Indiana Jones, and he's got, he's got a, uh, psychic and I was like man I get canceled for this it's got like this oriental psychic like in the movie the second movie short round <laughs> my kid's name is darky <laughs> but I read one of the chapters yesterday and yeah I mean it reads like a little kid wrote it but actually there's a, like the flow of it is good 
um, there's a lot of just, you know, you can tell I have just a natural talent for storytelling. So I wasn't going to talk about how great I am. I was just going to say how I am, you know, because of that, I'm my own harshest critic. Um, and so I'll say, well, I didn't think that was that great. People go, no, that was really good. So I say I'm not that good at describing the external world, but I know like some of my scenes I wrote for Teacher of the Tree Man, um, they might not even be open with the, with the foot bath. There's nobody there, so it could be they're not open. That's fine. It's not. Um, oh my god. Is that my friend's bike here? Kind of looks like it. If it's like quadruple locked, it's them, but I don't think they're. Is it? <laughs> I'm going to laugh at the park golf course. Oh, it is open today. Hmm. Yeah, he is here. Yep. That's him, right? Hold on. Is it? I'm gonna laugh. I'm gonna go down and say hi. I don't know if it is, but yeah, I think it is. Yeah, he's got the crazy locks. I'm pretty sure my friend and his wife are here. Yep. <laughs> I'm not playing. I actually have my park golf balls with me. Um, I could. Yeah, it's still. Yeah, just a matter of time. How much time I have? Um, finishing up my thought. I don't remember what I was saying. <laughs> This time I did lose my train of thought just because my friend's bike was here. Um, like, I thought the park golf course was closed today. Uh, but apparently it's not. I see people out there. So, um, And it's funny. I brought the balls. like So maybe intuitively I knew it was open. but uh, And then I passed the place I was going to stop. Like, it is really perfect out for it. And I could go play a fucking, you know, I got my balls and it's really nice out. So I think I... I have to decide. You know, I got to take a leak. Um, I apologize. I did forget what I was saying there at the end. Uh, but you'll maybe I'll go back and listen and finish that thought if I can remember it by listening. But anyway, this was 43 minutes, so it's a bonus episode. All right, cool. Yakking at you. I'm just going to call it B is for yakking at you. <laughs> All right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hope this was uh, interesting. Let me know. As always, let me know. Okay, bye. Well, I lied. <laughs> I'm going to keep recording, folks. Um, but going back to what I was saying earlier, do not feel obligated to listen. And I have no idea if this will be interesting. I'm going to talk about storytelling and Stephen King for sure. Um, because I just that's I just listened back and I was talking about storytelling and my gift for it. Um, and then, yeah, I was surprised to see my friend's bike here, and I found out it was indeed them. Uh, and this place is partially closed today, but, yeah, the footbath was closed and some of the stores, but the park golf course is open, and which is good because it's a perfect day for it. And I saw some families out there, and, uh, yeah, people were enjoying themselves. So that's great. And my friend, too, I... I just rode my bike along the uh, road down by the course, and I, it was perfect timing because they were just starting off on a hole where the road went right there. So I, my, my friend was just about to hit, and I pulled up, and I said, "Don't miss it." And uh, five-minute chat with him. Um, 
and I was debating playing, but then I realized like I do want to go. Sh I do want to eat like my kind of meal for the day, my main meal. I plan to have uh, sushi. Um, one of these conveyor belt sushi places, and I went to one the other day, and that place was good it was more expensive than usual like the one I'm going to go to today or I should say planning to go to because if it's really crowded I won't because uh, they can be really crowded uh, it's a hundred like you know each plate is like a hundred yen usually oh boy what was that what was that that was a weird noise oh I think it was Ah, somebody hitting the golf ball and I thought I'd drop something. And all these people were walking by and they're like, what, what? So I was like, what was that? Somebody hitting the golf ball, but I thought something fell off my bike. Anyway, uh, crossing the river. Can you hear that little waterfall there? Um, this is the Shire, folks. This is what, you know, my I've jokingly... Again. Again, if you've heard the podcast, you've probably heard me say, like, I feel like... I feel like I, you know, there are certain things I'll repeat, but uh, Japan, I think of as the Shire. Um, but like this section here of the bike trail is also what my friend and I have dubbed the Shire because it's just so nice. Like there's lots of trees, and it's like this park. And, um, so like even within the Shire, Japan, this is like the Shire, <laughs> double Shire. I am going to put on my hat because it is bright. Too bright. I'm biking south now. I guess I changed my mind about that trip that I mentioned at the very start of this, going all the way around the world to the North Pole. I started to read this book a few years ago. Like, I start to read lots of things that I don't finish. Um, and this book was this guy who was setting off by foot from the southern tip of Argentina, and he was going to go all the way to the northern tip of Alaska. I think he did it. Um, I don't think I got out of Argentina. <laughs> it was an interesting book, but I just never finished it. Uh, yeah. So I'm giving you permission to get folks to bail on my podcast right now if you want to. Um, okay, Stephen King and Storytelling. So right now... I, uh, I'm reading the latest Stephen King book, Billy Summers, and, you know, reading King, I said this to my friend, because, you know, I started reading Stephen King when I was probably right about the time that I wrote that story that I just mentioned, um, it's probably a year or two after that, but I remember reading The Shining in sixth grade, so if I wrote this, other, whenever Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom came out, I feel like that was fifth or sixth grade. So, anyway, um, and I, you know, so reading King is like coming home for me because I've read so many of his books. But, and I've said this to people. I honestly believe this. I, I did a presentation for my uh, English class, my adult English class here. That I've been teaching since April. I did a presentation on. Uh, Stephen King, and I refer to him as the Mark Twain of the 20th century. Um, I honestly, I really believe that. Like, 
and what I mean by that is, I mean, there's a lot of things I mean by it, but mainly that if you want to get, if you want to read a writer who had his finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist, you know, I think Twain, you can't go, can't go very wrong with Mark Twain for the 19th century and Stephen King for the 20th and now 21st, but um, anyway, I'm reading his latest, Billy Summers, and he's just such a fucking good storyteller, you know? Like, it's just such a pleasure to read his writing. Just such a pleasure. Um, it's just like, I read, I read so many books now, like I've been reading these other novels, and I read this novel by uh, Barbara Ham McLeod, and it was her first attempt at a novel, and the ideas in it were great, and I, I think it was actually a pretty darn good novel, I think it was pretty well done, but there were parts of it where I read it, and I was like, ah, this is like a beginning novelist kind of, you know, I don't want to say mistake, but just um, <laughs> something you see, you know? Like some of the dialogue where it's like, okay, this is an information dump that she's using dialogue for. Uh, and there were even like editing mistakes where they have a quote and all of a sudden the quote wasn't there. And that's on her editor more than her, um, where the quotation mark wasn't there, you know? But with like Stephen King, you just don't get any of that, you know? You just get this guy who's been doing it so long and he's just so, and I think he's naturally good at it, but he's also developed his uh, craft and so now no matter what he's writing like the last I've, I've basically read I mean I feel like I ha I've not read every Stephen King book but I've been keeping up on his, his work in the 21st century um, and I think most of the books are good you know but there are a lot of them are tales that I don't necessarily remember um, but I'm like that with a lot of stuff I see great movies and I forget, you know. Um, but I put it this way: like reading *The Shining* when I was in sixth grade had this like huge impact on me. Like I can remember the horror I felt. And I remember crying at the end of that book, and it was crying because it was kind of a relief that it was over because it was so horrific, and I felt like I was so connected to uh, the Wendy Torrance what she'd gone through um and you know that could also be a, the, the, you know when you're that age you're 12 13 things impact you more but um i also think that was like a masterpiece i think the stand you now i reread or i listened to the audio version of the stand um about five or six years ago and i listened to the author's edition like the one that stephen king wanted and I just think it's a fucking, it's a masterpiece. And I think like, and here's what I want to transition into a little bit, which is the whole idea of genre writing and the kind of snobbery that some people who are in the literature have against genre writing. Um, it's ridiculous, it's stupid. And, you know, I know like a lot of the great genre writers or not genre, but literary writers, like, hold King in high esteem. And I remember listening to some scenes in The Stand and thinking, this is basically literary fiction. 
like this particular scene. There's no horror in this scene. This is a family drama. <laughs> the kind of stuff that literary fiction like bores me because I'm like, that's all it's about. <laughs> it's like the real world family drama. And yes, I'm painting a very broad brush, but in general, the reason I never really took to a lot of the literature classics or the literary fiction genre is that a lot of it is kind of based in everyday world. I don't know, I like my fantastical elements, you know? I like my my spaceships and monsters and shit. Now I gotta go up. This is a serious hill I have to go up here. So I might pause. And I'm getting on to uh, that sushi on the line, folks. And uh, up the hill we go. It's not that long, though. Um, and then it comes out of this fucking really cool shrine. I think I forgot to take that picture I was going to take when I stopped before. Here, I'll take this shrine picture here. And that can be my cover art. Alright, I'll take the shrine picture. And I want to talk about... Well, I have to... Because now I'm on roads. And, uh... I can keep yakking. Clearly that's not an issue for me. <laughs> um, but... I have to be safe. It's not like these aren't busy roads here, but okay. I'm going to pause here and I might get back to it, but, or maybe I'll finish it up later. Literary fiction. I want to talk about David Mitchell and genres and genre bending because it relates to, I don't even want to say synchronistically anymore because it's just the way my, my life works, but it relates to something that happened this morning in a conversation I had, which this was not intentional to get here, but We'll see if we get there. All right, here we go. Taking the picture. Maybe I'll get back to this. If not, thanks for listening. If so, see you in a bit. All right, I'm going to keep yakking at you for a minute here. Uh, so if nothing else I want to say, I am quite pleased that I found... Something that's very rare here in Japan, <coughs> which is lemonade. I was uh, leaving the park golf place, and I was going to fill my uh, water bottle up with water, but the water is turned off. I could have gone to the bathroom, but then I remembered. I'm like, actually, I wanted something sweet to drink. So I went to the vending machine, and I was like, ah, they don't have any of the stuff I like. And then I was like, what's this, lemonade? And I bought it, and it's delicious. Told myself, all right, remember this for the summer because, yeah, cold lemonade, man. Um, it's kind of a sweet one. It's a little sweeter than, probably for it not quite this sweet, but it is good. And I just had a sip right now thinking that it was water, and then I'm like, oh, that's right, this is lemonade. All right, we got to Oh, that's right. All these little roads I have to cross, and I built this little narrow road. It's fun. Actually, I discovered this way to this shopping set area summer 2019 july 31st i went uh, i was during a hypomanic period i decided to do a bike ride at like 3 a.m basically what i just did now but i went up further all the way to this dam the very the dam where i almost killed myself on accident <laughs> not suicide attempt folks an accident um in September of 2020, 
on the day of a Mars Pluto square. <laughs> it was the first the day of the first presidential debate between Biden and Trump where it was just totally off the hook. Anyway, um, on the, in that July of 2019, I got a weird kind of flat tire thing that made it so I had to carry my bike. And I, what, I knew there was this, where I'm going, this shopping area, I knew there was a bike repair place. And but because I'm carrying my bike, I was like, I want to find the shortest way possible. And I found that little path I just went on now, which goes across this little train section. And uh, it's nice because it's so narrow that no cars can't, cars can't even use it. So that's one thing I like about biking is just finding like these little side roads. I'm really good at it to the point where I, I don't ride very much on places where there are cars. Um, sometimes you just find it out of serendipity. All right, I wanted to get back to, and I gotta finish this up here because I'm gonna be like two more minutes until I get to my uh, sushi restaurant and I ain't putting that off for y'all. And you've been listening to me long enough anyway. David Mitchell, my favorite author. Um, and he's someone who gets put into the literary fiction, although he writes all genres. He is a genre bender. He is a postmodern writer. Um, and impossible to categorize. And if you've seen the movie Cloud Atlas, that is based on his novel Cloud Atlas, which is my favorite novel of this millennium, <laughs> read it twice, um, but it's brilliant because it covers, it's like, it has all sorts of genres in it, different styles, and he writes like one part of it, he's written like a letter uh, from this explorer, like a journal, one part of it's written like an interview in the future. Um, I mean, it's just uh, one part of it's like a spy thriller written like a John Grisham novel or something. Uh, it's just amazing. It's an amazing book. And he's an amazing writer. Um, but he early on got put into literary fiction. And so therefore he's, you know, he's accepted. You know, I got to cross. I got to get across. It's a hot train deal anyway. Um, but to me, all these categories and stuff. Just the, the snobbery. I understand the categories because I was talking to my friend this morning about uh, making categories up for this website we're involved in because they have a category for, uh, and I'm on a road now, you can obviously hear. Um, sushi place is open. We'll see how busy it is. Um, they have a category for podcasts and videos. And I told her, I said, you know, I like to read articles too, and I, but there's no category for articles, so can we just add podcast videos and articles, or just media? Um, anyway, that got a conversation with her going, we were talking about putting things in categories, and I was telling her about working at a used bookstore, and that was one of my jobs, is we'd get all these books in, and I would have to figure out what category do they belong in, you know? And, uh, well... Just in general, like I just think snobbery about like in the literary in the fiction crowd, like literary fiction people, you have no right to be snobs about your writing. Like a lot of your writing to me is basically people who can write brilliantly but can't tell a story. And quite honestly, I'd rather have someone who's good at telling a story who can't write brilliantly than someone who can write brilliantly and can't tell a story. If I'm reading fiction, you know, because fiction is storytelling. So anyway. 
Um, and if I want to read brilliant writing that's not a story, I'll read poetry. You know? Um, so anyway, that's just some thoughts. I'm here at the sushi place, and I'm going to check it out. And hopefully it will not be so busy and I can eat. And uh, that's all that. So thanks again. This is definitely the end. Um, I've put out an hour for you. Keep your tidied over until the next episode, whenever that will be. Um, but okay, thanks for listening.